God, grace and mercy, send your Holy Spirit afresh on us this day that we might know your joy and that it might be complete in us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. I love this gospel reading from John. Jesus said to his disciples, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things so that, do you hear the so that? My joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Well, I don't know about you, but I certainly want to know the love that Jesus knew from the Father, and I sure as heck want complete joy. Does anybody else here? You can raise your hand. Anybody else looking for some joy? Right? But what does that mean practically? What does it mean to abide in God, to be Jesus' friend, not just servant, but friend? It sounds even better, it sounds great to have that, but even better to have this complete joy. That sounds terrific to me. It's what all the advertisers are out there promoting all the time. Do this and then you'll be happy. But how do we really enjoy this reality? Well, it helped me to have gone and done a bit of a word study and to find that this word joy that he's talking about is very closely linked actually to grace. So if we were to think in terms of to fully understand God's grace is to know joy. Yes. To know the mercy that's been extended to us. You cannot help but be a bit uh, bowled over with this love, unmerited love that comes our way. I also had several conversations with folks about grace and how do you know when you're in grace and when you're not? Is it, can you feel it? Is it something tangible, or is it just this concept out here? I mean, most of us are here because we have had an encounter with grace, with God's love, and we want more of it, yes? Don't we want more? Yeah. And he says if we ask, whatever we ask, he will give more of. I thought, well, maybe it's helpful to understand and to really be thoughtful of when have we known grace? When have we experienced that joy in the midst of crazy circumstances? For therein lies hope, yes? Therein lies the nut of the gospel and the goodness of this love, this abiding love. Well, as I walk through the places that Paul, the Apostle Paul, traveled over the last few weeks, I was amazed at how 
tenacious this man was to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to share the grace with Gentiles, with those, see, the Jews did not want to hear from him, and so God sent him off to talk with others. And in this journey of pilgrimage, I also was looking for signs of hope for Jesus and the people that I was around and those that I met along the way. Like any tour, we were told a lot of information, a lot of history to where I was a bit cross-sighted. And what I really wanted was to experience God's presence, to know that friendship deeper. You've been around long enough to have had the difference between a surface friendship and one that knows you and accepts you and loves you just the way you are. That kind of friendship where just being with them is like, well, it's like a breath of fresh air, isn't it? Because you know you're loved. You know you're accepted just as you are and you can just be with one another. Well, in the midst of our journey, I had a strange thing happen to me. It was day two and it was Sunday here. I think we were already on to Monday there, but I had a hunger for worship unlike anything I had ever experienced. I thought I was gonna die if I didn't get some worship. You know, we can worship on our own, one-on-one -on -one with God. We have this special friendship that we can grow in, but I wanted community worship. I was missing you, the beloved community, and being able to worship with you. And here I was with this newly forming group of 20 people, newly forming community. And so I said, could we please just have a little bit of worship together? When it was on the bus, they chose to do that because we were busy. But, you see, when we worship together, something mysterious happens. It seems to open our hearts and our minds to this abiding place to be in God's presence. It seems to open the space for grace. For the Holy Spirit draws us in closer and closer to God if we allow it. But we have to allow it. It's that space like sitting with a dear friend where we're known and can know him. It also opens the way for grace, the grace that connects us to all of the love of God, this God who calls us friends. Isn't that crazy? The God that created all the beauty out there doesn't just call us servant, but calls us friends now. Well, there's something of the mystery of when we join our voices together in reciting God's promises in the Eucharist or whether we're praising and singing songs that we find that joy the grace, and it flutters down like gentle rain or maybe like a butterfly landing on our shoulder. 
But my hope is that you can make space, space for God's abiding love and grace and that loving friendship, for there is where our joy is made complete. So I've been asking myself, what gets in the way of this? If this is what we want so badly, more joy, more contentment, more abiding, what is it that gets in the way? And I would say there's the internal things and the external. And I think I've been remiss in maybe focusing more on the external getting in the way and forgetting what the internal is. But there is just the given of life and the necessities of every day of eating and sleeping and working and traveling to and fro, work or whatever obligations you have, all critical to sustaining our lives. And then there are those things that we say to ourselves that can block out the presence of God, which is ever with us. Now, there's a saying that God never moves. If you're feeling distant from God, it means somebody's moved and it isn't God. That's why so many people practice some form of meditation or centering prayer. It's not that they're going to ever get their minds to shut off, but that it's about setting an intention. It's like practicing your muscles. It's strengthening your muscles with lifting weights, but it's this muscle here where we're lifting this weight of, okay, here's this thought taking me down this old road. I'm coming back to Jesus. And it can be a word or phrase that we use to say, peace, peace. I'm not going there, peace. And you may have to do it 500 times in one day, but it's in the coming back, in that moment. It's in the moment. That is where we find the abiding in Jesus Christ and God's very presence. No doubt, One of the biggest temptations is to ruminate about past conversations and interactions. And I tell you, that can truly be a joy stiller. You probably don't struggle with that. But here's what I would say if you do, is the minute you catch yourself at it, is to find a word that's your word that says, I'm coming back to you, Jesus. I'm coming back. Peace is my word, because I want peace and joy more than anything. It's a practice, and it's a practice that brings us into his very presence, so that in fact, our joy might be complete. But here's the thing about joy, it's scary. It's documented, actually. Researchers have found that the most difficult emotion to maintain is joy. It takes a lot of energy. And there's something in our DNA as human beings that Brene Brown, sociologist, has found is that we tend to think if we've got joy, the next thing is that the other shoe's going to drop. And so why even go there? 
Do you see that thinking and how it can rob us from what God intends for us? What if we were so bold as to just dare to be joyful, full out, full stop, no matter what may come? It'd be an interesting experiment, would it not? All that to say, one woman I asked how she experienced grace and the joy of Christ said this. She said, it's around me all the time. And when I realize how ever-present it is, it just reminds me to be grateful and to praise God. For me, I experience it as sort of an ease or a cloud of just sort of cush. I'm curious how you experience it. Another story I heard this week, or actually read, that I think points to what abiding in God's love can do when we actually abide in God and then from that place turn to others wrote this in her Facebook post this morning I watched the drugstore cashier patiently wait and assure the elderly customer in front of me that her coupons had been used towards her purchase at last the customer was satisfied and slowly made her way out of the store you are very patient I said to the cashier. The cashier looked surprised and then replied, well, thank you, with a gentle smile. I imagine sometimes you have to go dig deep. I said in admiration. She smiled again and said, I learned a lot of patience when my mom passed away. As she continued ringing up the three cans of special cat food and travel shampoo and birthday card that I had set on the counter. I swallowed hard in response to this unexpected piece of her story. I was on the verge of tears anyway, and I could not trust my voice to speak. The woman continued and said, and what she said next was so beautiful that I immediately felt grateful I had not interrupted her flow. From that moment on, she said, I thought to myself, that's someone's mom. That's someone's child, brother or son. And then she looked right at me as if she could see into my soul. She said, you're someone's mom. You're someone's child. And being kind to you makes my day better. That beautiful cashier didn't know that I'd just cried in the parking lot of the veterinarian's office over some troubling news. But somehow her kindness met me right where I was at. A little scared, a little uncertain, a little unseen. The cashier didn't know us, not me, not the woman in front of me, and not the man behind me. But she recognized us all as human beings worthy of kindness. And that 
That made all the difference in the world. We often wonder how we can possibly make a difference in the world while doing our day-to-day jobs and doing, going about our day-to-day tasks. But this author found the answer in the line at the drugstore. We make a difference by seeing every person as someone who matters and responding in kind. What the cashier does for every person who runs into the store for a couple of items, carrying unseen burdens and unspilled tears, that, that is world-changing stuff. The author had written, I walked in with my heavy heart, and I walked out with hope that I didn't have coming in. I'll be certain to pass that hope on to someone's child, mother, sister, brother, father, or son. You see, we're all connected. And we're all in need of that abiding love and kindness. Rachel Macy Stafford is the author, and she sat in her driveway for 10 minutes after leaving that drugstore and on the piece of a receipt, wrote out that experience as fast as she could because she knew it was too important to keep to herself. And on a really hard day, that experience gave her hope. Her prayer and mine is that it might meet you where you are right now. She says that she writes to help her listeners remain anchored in love despite the stresses and distractions and discord of every day. As you ponder where it is that you find grace and God's abiding love, maybe you will find something to write down and pass on to someone else. Maybe you will find that kindness to really see the person before you. It's a choice.